Hello and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place where we share creative and inspiring learning in our schools. Season 3, Episode 39. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast with me, Mark Taylor. And today I'm delighted to welcome back Peter Cancel, who's um, our education expert. And um, having listened through to our season three and um, what the children think about their schooling, he's come on to, to give us his thoughts and his insights um, and, and explore some of the themes that I think have come up during the season. So welcome back, Peter, and thanks for joining me again. Hello, Mark. Nice to hear again. So, um, well, let's start off. What, what was your um, initial thoughts of some of the things that you've heard and, and, and things that struck you? Well, I think that your two models to mention that the season three seemed to start um, with an interview of you by Bruce Langford. So I think we should just talk a little bit about that first of all, because I've got another question for you. Okay. You you, you talked about how you got into to, to teaching in, into schools and things, but what interested me was how you, what caused you to focus on primary for, for, for a lot of the work that you do. Is there an underlying reason for that, or, or is it just the way it worked? Um, there's a couple of reasons, I guess. Um, one is the fact that I believe that that age group is where we can make the most difference. Um, so in terms of if you see a child in reception or in year one, they're so full of excitement, they're running around the playground, literally the world is their oyster. Um, and I like the fact that if we just change how we go about some of the teaching that we do or if we understand that that's what their natural makeup and we adjust our thoughts accordingly we can just allow that process to continue so rather than sort of changing who they are we just allow them to be more of who they are for longer so that by the time they get to year six when they're doing their sats their focus isn't on the fact that oh my god this is my exam year it's the fact that I've had you know seven years at school which I've enjoyed and I've loved and I've flourished and now I'm ready to expand into my secondary school so I think I quite like the fact that I can see real positive change there rather than fixing a problem we can actually just allow what um, the children's natural positivity and um, affinity with life already is. So I think that's why I like the primary side of it. Um, the other reason is is that um, I was teaching in a primary school as well when I was doing some of my drum stuff and some of my um, samba workshops. And because secondary schools, certainly a few years ago, I know it's slightly different now because um, the curriculum has changed in secondary as well as primary, um, but we had the opportunity to give primary schools something which they might not have a specialist for. So most secondary schools have a music teacher, so therefore they'd have a curriculum. They would hopefully have an ensemble and maybe a choir and that kind of thing, as long as they had a music teacher there. Whereas primary schools didn't necessarily have a specialist person there. So that was a skill that I was able to bring in um, and support the school with. A man after my own heart. I hoped, I hoped you'd say something like that. that. That was exactly what I was thinking, that, that it is about that. You know, if you can capture them when they're young and, and inspire them with music, you know, that, and, and with, with all sorts of other things, they, you know, that's half the job's done just by the fact that you've got them when they're young. And, uh, and they are so much more responsive, it seems to me, um, in a lot of ways and, and uninhibited. Um, but so that that was lovely. And yeah, you're right. In my school, um, I actually bought in a, a music specialist because I thought it was so important that, that the children get that rich 
experience, um, which you know they did, they got loads loads of that, and, we, and the quality of of performing arts generally in the school was was really high because we had this expertise coming in from him and other people, and and the, the guy that I brought in was in fact originally from the Oxfordshire Music Service, and it struck me when you were talking about how valuable the music services have been in schools and I don't know where yours was whether whether it was a, a county one or, or what but you were talking about county youth orchestras and that sort of thing you know which are, which are run by music but by the music service in, in the local authorities aren't they and that and to have maintained those has been such a valuable thing for the, for the arts I think over the years absolutely i mean my the county i grew up um was avon in the west country which now oh, yeah. now doesn't even exist it's now part of bath and northeast somerset i think so the, and the, gloucestershire and gloucestershire yeah so the, the, <laughs> there was a kind of a natural um um dissolution of it if you like um yeah. and 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 that, that that was sad because um not only were the ensembles incredibly high standard the whole setup was in place um yeah. I mean, really at its peak. I mean, it really was fantastic. And as, as I said in that Bruce Langford uh, interview, you know, it's just seeing the stepping stones of where you are. You know, I was a young person in a school, but within just hearing things happening at the school and then seeing them going on to an ensemble in a county and going on to music college and being in the, in the music profession, you know, you could see all of those things. But that's only because behind the scenes, the county had all those things in place to enable that to happen. So and that was really key. And it's also really interesting because, you know, season four, which is about to start in September, is going to be all about music in the arts. And I'm going to be talking much more about um how we can support teachers do that. So if you haven't got a music specialist, um, we're going to give you some resources and some ideas of how to go about that and also then develop it through from creating ensembles, creating worksheets, um, being able to have um, lots more singing going on and then being able to get a specialist in if you need it. So, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all going to be very exciting for that. Yeah. I, 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 it just struck me. I, it just struck a chord with me the whole business of, of, of how we provide for children. But I, I thought it was interesting that your interview, um, that interview with, with Bruce, um, referred to something about you, which came through in the whole of the rest of the series, actually, which is about your passion for education that was referred to. Um, and it struck me that what you were talking about was about being in your element you found the right thing for you and you were in your element and it it, it all smacks of a, of a book and I don't know if you know a, a book by Ken Robinson called The Element absolutely um, yes all, I've yeah. read it many times <laughs> yeah which which it just reflected you know, the thoughts in there it just seemed to be so so linked to that and so and so um, uh, relevant to, to, to the points that he's making so those things came through i thought actually later on in the in the series as well yeah i think i think that's true and um and and cer- certainly for me i think one of one of the biggest takeaways from the season has been that while children don't necessarily know what they do want because i i was i thought my you know question one for example i thought was going to be you know if you could create your classroom you know how would you like it to be <laughs> I, I was expecting to hear yes i want it to be you know like a circus tent and i want to be able to run around and i want to be able to jump and i want to play football and you know, i thought it would be literally off the wall you know you know what would i like to do um but the thing that came across is the fact that children's perception they hear school and they only know what they know 
and I, and yeah. it's a classroom and it's tables and it's a naughty side or a people that need help side or a, you know and i thought it's really interesting that even in the primary years that they'd they already couldn't get past you know we've already brainwashed them that that well that yes exactly <laughs> it's sad as that sound yeah. i think that's very true and, and it, yeah. it was quite hard to get past that um yeah. and and i think what i what i thought about that was that i felt like an even bigger um obligation to to realize that actually the environment of the school is the most important thing um from from my chatting with the children at overstone you know that they, they seem to really thrive on the activities that they had there and the scope that they had um but i thought but it's the atmosphere of that school that's made that possible there are technical things you know about being a, a leader and all that kind of thing but it's the atmosphere that comes across which is really important and i just thought it, it's a really key a really key thing i mean i have a friend who works um in um, Thailand um, and it's an international school and I think they have a very free reign of what they do which seems to work really well for the younger years there's lots of playing there's lots of exploration but what they don't have is the structure later on because I think they might sometimes find they have key areas of learning which they haven't developed because they've not naturally got there Um, we we have at the moment the, the opposite where there's so much structure and not very much scope to explore and so therefore that whole creativity side of people is not developing in that same way and and i just thought that's the obvious balance that we need to create is is an environment of learning which you can just explore but we need to be the adults we're the teachers we're the people that can create that overall umbrella of understanding what's needed being able to guide the whole process but still give them time and i think that's the thing that also came across that they need time just to then literally get into the subject they're doing or explore more about what it is but with a bit more guidance rather than now we're doing this piece of work now we're doing that piece of work and not having the chance to join all those dots up I, you're, you're right. I, what, what struck me was the conservatism of the small C of the children, especially in the classroom design. And if you'd asked me that question, I said, well, we wouldn't start from here. We wouldn't start with a classroom. We wouldn't start with a school. You know, we'd start in a t- totally different place. And and yet, you know, they were saying, well, we'd have the tables there and we'd have the chairs here. And, we, and it, I, I thought it was fascinating, exactly like you. That, and, and I went through this a few years ago when we were designing new classrooms from, from from a school. And we talked a lot. I talked with the staff a great deal and the children about the colours of the walls for new classrooms. I mean, they were all being decorated. So we talked about what colours they should be. And this whole thing about whether they should be bright or pastel colours was fascinating. The, the, the children, exactly like the children at Overstone, you know, said they should be bright, they should be, you know, happy and, and joyful and all that sort of thing. And the teacher was saying, no, you know, if you make them too bright, they're too distracting and they're too, um, and they make them too excited, I think. <laughs> children enjoy it too much. You know? um, so, but, but, but it, it was, it was quite interesting. And I looked at, the, at what's the best learning environment for children or for anybody and probably pastel colours are better. You right. know, you're you're settled, and you know if you think about it, you're in a color a pastel colored room. You're more settled in, and blues and greens and that sort of thing have an important aspect, as opposed to bright yellow or bright bright pink. Children love those colors, but it would, as they were saying, but it, but it, it struck us that we end up doing pastel ones because that's what we we took the educational reason. Um, but what they were talking about was also outside areas and and, and um, access to different sort of activities 
And it struck me that what they were describing was an early years classroom where you have that in and out, a good early years classroom where it's where it's possible to, to, to just go without, without even thinking, be inside or outside and doing whatever you want to be doing or the activities that are set up. Um, and it's, it's exactly as, as you seem to be envisaging a, a, a good classroom, as you, often, as you often talk to the children, wouldn't you like it to be so you could go outside? Exactly. It's well, very difficult not, not to lead them in, in a certain <laughs> yeah. direction. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But, but I thought the whole thing was very revealing about the school because they were obviously very comfortable with the, with the way it was set up. Um, and, and I you know, I guess that's because it's really good and, and, and they love being there. Or it might just be that it's all they know. I think that's an element of that there. But they just want to, you know, things where they were as they were. You know, a little bit of extra PE, extra breaks maybe, a um, bit of cross-phase work, you know, different ages. But no cross-curricular stuff they talked about. And that was true about all of the children that you talked about. They didn't. They, they. I found that whole thing. Even though you pressed them into talking about projects, in one case, I think it was um, towards the end of the series that, that, that the children were saying, "Yeah, we yeah, projects are great." And when you when you pushed that, um, it was a project about science, a project about English, a project about maths. Absolutely. Exactly. And but I bet I bet those schools are doing cross curricular things. I bet they're doing all sorts of stuff like that, like like you described, like you described about your children's school where they they did the the um, the sale of things for, for for raising raising funds. Yes. And you know that is totally cross curricular, and yet children divide it down into different subjects. I remember years ago, this was a long time ago when I when I was a very young teacher uh, in in a very um, enterprising school with a fourth forward-thinking head teacher and we used to have a week which was had an alternative curriculum where everybody um, just actually what we didn't call it this but it was they, they did a cross-curricular project and and halfway through the week I was talking to some some children I think they were year six children year seven children maybe it was a middle school and I was asking them what they thought about it. And they said, oh, it's really great. We're really enjoying it. There was a sort of carousel of activities and they could have different teachers to do all sorts of different things. But it was all around the same theme. And uh, and they said, oh, yeah, we're really loving it. Uh, and I said, well, you know, is there anything, anything that you don't like? And they said, oh, yes, yeah, because we're not doing any English. Well, they, they, you know, these children would... would, would, would translating scripts from uh, uh, texts from the bible and and other old documents taking the original document and trying to make sense of it and 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 writing it out and 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 then doing a report on it and when i said to them you know what well, you're doing all this stuff you're doing your handwriting and you're doing you know reading you're reading lots and lots of stuff you're researching things you're writing reports about stuff how come you're not doing english well i suppose we are but they couldn't get over this this thing of being in subjects, and exactly the same with these children we talk you talk to. They they really think in subject terms, and that's that's what we've done to them, isn't it? I guess that's right. You know, the, you know the, the end of the, the sorry the end of the year report is kind of this is how you've done in this 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 and this, and there's kind of an overall kind of and haven't you done well? You've made lots of friends and played nicely, you know, kind of scenario. But I think. If, if the whole scope of that was geared slightly differently, that it was much more about the child as a whole and how well they've done with a little bit of focus then on how within certain subject areas it's helped. Maybe that would change their influence. And my other thought is, 
whether it actually makes any difference. If we understand that children think this way, it's if we can back far enough out to think either we've created it or whether that's just how they think. Um, in, it's a little bit like the food scenario. You know, I like to eat my peas and then I like to eat my potatoes and then I eat my, you know, they, they like all that sort of separation of things. And maybe that's more of a child thing than I, I was aware of. Um, but it's where being the teachers and the people in control of the environment come in that, you know, if that is the case and that is how they think, as long as we're creating the environment and the structure for all of these things to come in we can then just with our language start to sort of like you say seep in the fact that you might not think you've done any english today but actually um as you just said you know you've just done some research and and and, and written about something that you've been working on or you know you have been doing that because i've just asked you to go and buy something for me and you've done a whole load of stuff related to money and and that kind of thing so so i'm, st- I'm still sort of slightly unsure as to is to how much that matters as long as as a school and as a teacher you understand it i think maybe it's fine but actually um yeah it, it's it's a difficult one to, to to really get over i think i i think it's partly to do with with the fact that we don't talk about it we, do, we as as professionals we still talk we design a curriculum we design a timetable or a schedule that for children that and for staff um, which is a subject um divisions uh, we talk about different subjects all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and children do like to make sense of their world, but we don't actually help them to make sense of the world by talking about the different projects as different ways of learning. We don't, we don't necessarily explain that this is English and maths and science all happening at the same time most of the time that and that's why that's why children don't get that they're perfectly capable of understanding that it was quite clear from from the children that you talked to there they were very perceptive uh, and they they had a clear understanding of what was going on some of them in most detail and I, was, I was fascinated by um was it katie or jody who, who did it who had a, a absolutely fascinating detailed classroom plan yes <laughs> i couldn't believe all these different sections that were being set up um not at all um divisive or, <laughs> or worrying <laughs> and, and then we put all the special needs children there because we know that the special needs you know and as a teacher you think oh gosh <laughs> I've got to be very careful about this, but they're quite, you know, uh, straightforward and, and and upfront about children understand totally what's going on and don't need to be confused into thinking about stuff in a different way. Just be upfront with them and explain that you know this is a project, but it's a cross-curricular project. It's about everything, and they will get the message. And and if you t- were able to talk to children that had had that input, perhaps they would they would reflect that back. I think they're getting the the, the cross curricular stuff. They just it's just not being talked about as cross curricular. I think so that's I, true. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And, and also from you know from a from a business point of view and a, and an education system that's helping business and 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 the workforce is the fact that actually we don't necessarily need to change everything in order for it to be better um yeah. because as you said you know these project ideas are exactly what businesses are like you know you don't or unless you're a completely sort of self-employed person that does everything and even then i'd hope you manage to outsource some things um you know you're involved in an ongoing business with lots of different departments lots of different things happening and it's good to be involved in lots of these things to understand them but you know as a musician I would be involved in 
the musical or the artistic side of what a project might be whereas someone who's very academic and enjoys writing or copywriting and that sort of thing might be more focused on that but you're still part of the bigger picture you're still part of a cog or one of the cogs in in, in, a, in an ongoing thing and and understanding that all these things happen together and that your individuality is really important and what you bring is um all those skills that you have um and that's what um i've been hearing in business that there are people are really looking for it's that understanding that how you fit in with this organization and what you can bring to the party which is which is a really important thing and that's and it's it is to do with um that um dialogue that you talked about when you were talking about assessment it's about dialogue if we if we ha- set up that dialogue and talk about things then um it pe- people have a much greater understanding it doesn't take much just takes a little bit of information i i remember i i did a book many many years ago um with a lovely lady called noreen wetton and uh she and one of the ideas that she had was about raising self-esteem and we talked a lot about what happens when children leave school at the end of the afternoon and uh, they run up to their to their parents and their parents always say what have you done today and they say oh nothing <laughs> or, or, or we played a bit um, or I had a fight or whatever it is and, and and there's been a whole day's worth of work gone into that child and the teachers are saying but hang on tell them about the exciting stuff we did and if and it's quite interesting because if you see a child meet up with their parents with the teacher there the teacher would prompt them and tell them and tell them and tell them and say all those things and the parents would be amazed and, and parents often don't realise, especially parents who don't go into schools much and are, don't interact with schools, they don't, they don't know all the stuff that goes on in schools, the exciting things that happen. So we devised this thing where, where we'd get the children to roll up the day, um, where they would, um, at the end of the day, just before going home time, we would say to the children, OK, well, let's, let's roll everything up. What are you doing today? And we, we'd get children to put different hats on. Who's... who's Who's been wearing the hat of a scientist today? Who's been wearing um, a mathematician's hat? Who's been wearing uh, an archaeologist's hat? Who's been wearing a spaceman's hat? You know, all those things. And the children, it just got the children thinking about what they've been doing. And then when they went out into the playground to meet mum or dad, they would say, oh, you know, I was an archaeologist today. And then that starts the conversation, doesn't it? It's about, it's just very little things that can make, can make a difference in that respect. I think that's absolutely true, and it is language, and and it is understanding, and and mm. it's and um, and and I I always think you know I, I look back to my school years, you know, and and you do the things you have to do because you have to be there, um, and I I guess that's part and parcel, and it is the you know the people when they start lighting the fire, they start to understand, but I sort of think you know after I left school and I was suddenly sort of working on my own and being self-employed, um, you know. I thought, oh, actually, the skills that I've learned are really important. The ability to be able to write a CV or be able to write a letter or um, I needed to start doing spreadsheets because I was organising musicians to be part of an ensemble or or a a theatre work. Um, And I thought those skills were really important, but all of a sudden they really meant something to me because... I was thinking as a musician and using the skills that I had that were related to the work that I was doing, and then it became important. Um, 
just sitting down doing a spreadsheet because today's learning about spreadsheets is less important in 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 my eyes certainly as a child when you were learning those sorts of things so actually that that's why i always like the whole project idea there is a certain amount of learning you have to do you can't just be thrown in at the deep end necessarily but it is like you say it's just shifting the perception of these things and making it more relevant to your day-to-day life earlier i think or certainly the understanding of what that is earlier on yeah, you, you should have been in my class, Mark, because I would have explained to you that the reason that we'd have talked about the whole reason for why we're in school. And I would explain that the reason that I'm there is because I get paid. And, <laughs> and, the re- and the reason that you're there is also because you get paid. You just get paid in a different currency. Yeah. I get paid in money, but you get paid in learning. And the more work that you do, the more you learn. And it is dead easy. It's actually you're going to get out what you put in. And it's a really simple concept, and and it would have it would have shifted your thinking a little bit, I think, if you'd listened. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's true. And, and I had that conversation recently with Katie. We were we were chatting about things, and um, and it's just that also that perception that it doesn't. You're not going to have necessarily you know massive breakthroughs every day. It's more about the small things. It's the little yeah. bit of you know the, the the ten minutes of this, the half an hour of that. Because if you think where you are today, and you look back at um, and you look forward in a year's time and then look back to where you are and all the things that you've learned, it didn't happen overnight. It is literally just the drip, 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 you know, building on all those skills, all that learning that you've done over time. And then, I mean, Katie's just going into her final year of primary now. You know, if, yeah. if she looks back at where she was when she was four, when she started, I mean, you, it's an ma- amazing amount of knowledge and understanding and growth. And exactly. part of that's a natural thing as well. But also, you know, if she hadn't gone to school, you wouldn't have any of that, you know, and, and that's yeah. um, a really important thing for them to understand. And I hope feel grateful for, you know, that opportunity, because there are plenty of people still in the world who are just striving to have the opportunity for that sort of thing. Um, and, and that's not so easy for them. Yeah. And, and I, I thought it was interesting that the, the, the total sidetracking that happened at the end when you talked to um, Wally about about um, education generally and and uh, moved on to the industrial revolution. But I just want to go back a touch because he did mention about tests and you talked earlier about tests and assessment with children. Um, and it was interesting how much more the children liked tests and exams. One of them, I think it was it was um Dalton actually who who said I I love exams yeah <laughs> and you think what's wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> um you know because because those of us in education who, who who are trying to get assessment to be a positive thing rather than the um onus that, that the government placed upon it of of being something which measures children and schools particularly um you know, getting this dialogue going, getting it to be a more natural approach, um, which some of the children were describing. But, you know, even even Wally had talked about how useful tests are and how we need to measure progress. But then he went on to say, yeah, but why do we have to have them? You know, can't we, can't we just make a judgment? And I think you were also reflecting this as well. It's, you know, that we teachers know how well children are performing. They they know with almost a degree of accuracy, which is phenomenal, about how well children are doing. And if you have a conversation with with that child's parents and with that child about their performance and how well they're doing, it's easy to put that into words. 
to write it down as an A or a B or a C or a number, what does that mean? What does that mean? And, I, and I, I, my very first class I, that I that I taught, I had this conversation with them. These were these were um, some couple of very articulate children, and they were very upset with me because I was writing comments on their work rather than giving them a grade. And uh, we had a long conversation about what an A means and what a C means, and what does it actually mean? Does it mean more than me saying this is really good, but you've got a problem there, or? I love this and, you know, you should do more of it, which is more important. And they came into my way of thinking in the end. Yeah. Took um, a while. <laughs> and, 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 and sort of on that idea, um, you know, we've got two children in secondary school as well. And, um, and they seem to be starting the whole GCSE thing slightly earlier now. It's like yeah. sort of two years and then the exam year, you know, yeah. for, for whatever the, the psychology of that is. And I can see it from the school's point of view in terms of time and and, and also not wasting a year where kids are just learning things which they're not interested in. Um, but that, that's sort of by the by. But the important, interesting thing was, was that we were having dinner the other night and we were chatting about this. And so-and-so said, oh, yeah, they've... Um, one particular cast, well, I can't remember exactly the reason, but they'd done one of their GCSEs a year early. Um, and I think it might have been part of the um, the English exam. Yeah. Um, and they said, oh, this particular person, oh, he, he got, um, I can't remember what the mark was, but he was one mark away from it, what would have been an A star or an A. Um, and the whole feeling of the fact that, not that the mark he got, which was fantastic, but if he got one extra mark, he would have been a different person because he would have yeah. got a different grade. Um, yeah. And and that just seems ridiculous because the, the the actual reality is exactly the same. You know, he did incredibly well. Um, but because you know all this information and you sort of think that, you know, what would your life look like if you just had that one extra mark? I mean, it just seems seems bizarre, but it really does affect people. Yeah, yeah. And it affects children more than more than anybody else, I think. I, I was talking to somebody the other day, a, a youngster who'd just done GCSEs, um, and he was he was saying, oh, yeah, I got, I got, you know, eight Cs or whatever it was, but it was enough to get me into sixth form, and I, and, and, and that's all I wanted. And I said, yeah, and, and in fact, the reality is, however important that seems to you at the moment, in five years' time or ten years' time, when you're working, very few people look at the, the grades you got at GCSE level. It just doesn't happen, does it? Absolutely. They don't even, they don't even look at what your what your degree was. You know, <laughs> it's not that you've got a degree. They're, they're quite happy usually. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and yet we get we get so bound up with this, don't we? Of the, of the levels and the marks and all the rest of it. Actually, what we should be saying is, do you know this stuff? Yes, I do. Well, tell me about it. You know, that's, that's a way of judging, it seems to yeah. me. And, that, and that's exactly what you're going to do in the workforce. It's that kind of, exactly. can you do this? Yes, you can. Great. If you can't, let's go and learn about it. And then we can incorporate it into what we're doing. And it's that co- continual growth, isn't it? We are the revolution, Mark. You realise that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> um, and talking of which, let's go back to the Industrial Revolution. I thought that was fascinating when you were talking to Wally about uh, and, and, and talking about that, because... I did a wrote a little piece a while ago um, talking about teacher training and about how uh, teacher training now with the school direct system is going back to Victorian times. It's a it's going back to the model with the apprentice teacher, you know, the the, the fourteen year old teacher, a, a child who, who stayed in school and became an apprentice to the teacher, and then 
um, eventually became a teacher. Mm-hmm. That changed and became, you know, went into a training system in the 1930s, I think, 2030s, um, and then went through into the sort of model that you and I would recognise of, of training and teachers becoming um, becoming degree holders now. Um, but it's now gone to the point where lots and lots of teachers are being trained back in school because they're closing down the Department of Education and um, they're, um, the government are insisting that teachers are better trained in school. I recognise that there are some elements of that that are really valuable um, and they do get good experience if they're lucky enough to be in a school where they get that good experience uh, and they don't have too many classes where it's too difficult. Um, but it's the background knowledge that's, that's, that's now lacking which was why teachers moved out of the apprentice model in the first place to go into college and go to university to learn all the background stuff that we have about education. So that's fascinating. And I thought that, that your reflection of the way in which uh, children were being, were, were being educated, being dependent upon you know some arbitrary system dating back from then, there has been a specific move to go back to that in this country with training. And that links into what you're talking about, vocational education. You know, it's so important, isn't it, you know, that, that people do learn to do the work that they're going to do at an appropriate age. I think, I think sorry, I, I was just going to say, I think, I think that is true. But I think the other thing is, and, and this came across as well, was the fact that how all these different parts of your learning um, affect you as a child. Um, and... And also how it does depend on who you are and where you're living. I was, I was thinking more about um, lots of the children had said about things that they learnt that weren't in school. You know, I do X, Y and Z, but that's kind of the sort of thing that I talk to about with my parents or the people at home um, rather than things that I learnt about in school. And that might be about sort of life, um, life cycles or some of them talked about savings and money and that kind of thing. That seems to be something which with pocket money and those sorts of things might be something they did at home but maybe less at school um and 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 it just made me think you know i have or i was at the beginning of this season thinking much more about that you know education is in place because we don't want to homeschool our children so therefore all the really important things that we'd hope that they would learn during this important time of their life school are covering and supported by parents and and that kind of thing because they're also children who don't necessarily have that support at home as well that's kind of you know it's it's having that sort of chance to stop everyone just falling through the cracks um but it, it did seem to me that the reality is is that the parental side of it is really, really important because there are whole parts of the li- of their lives which actually they're not covering in school. And I was I was beginning to think that maybe, you know, from a parent's point of view as well, I was sort of thinking, well, actually, maybe you just have to allow schools to be what they are. They work in a certain way at the moment. And as we as we've talked about, you know, we might like that to be different. But actually being a bit more of a, having a reality check of kind of well, that is how it is. And actually my job as a parent is to sort of try and make sure that those other bits of learning are actually put in from our point of view and how we can encourage that 
and so it's much more of a, a hands-in-hand approach between parents and schools um, and mm. that might be an easier way for things to develop but I think what the missing link from that would be assuming that you've got a great home life and you've got a great school is the relationship between the parents and the school and how you can work together if the school's saying I haven't got time to do x y and z but we know this is covered at home how you can then sort of amalgamate those two things together and I think that's a that's a really challenging thing but would be a really important thing yeah I think no, that's so important I think that that combination of what happens but the the, the, the difficulty for schools is there's and, and and perhaps the difficulty for the system is that you need to put in um, a sort of minimum requirement you know and that's what schools are doing and that's what we've we we I think we moved to away from that minimum requirement. We, you know, in the in the 50s, 60s, particularly 60s, 70s, and, and on, um, teachers, as they became more educated, realised how much more they could be doing for children, and and how much we could be doing for society, and that was before it was. You know, schools were being told you must do this because this is the minimum requirement, and teach, and, it, and it sort of shrunk back a bit. To that minimum requirement because there is without doubt um a lack of, a lack of that parental commitment in you know in a great many cases and so there will be children in this and there's, if you want there to be an equal playing field you, you can only you can only make the school bit the equal playing field it's very difficult to provide um for all all children from their parents because they, you know, they get different experience. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that makes that makes perf- perfect sense, really. So, um, so as, as a whole, as the season as 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 a whole, what what um, other sort of takeaways did you um, did did you come away from, and and were you sort of anything you were surprised about that um, you weren't necessarily expecting to hear? I think I was. I, I think there was a phrase in there which I thought was very revealing. And it was in the interview with Katie and Jody, and I'm not quite sure which one of them said it. And it wasn't, it was it was in a slightly different context, but one of them said, it's not our place. And, and I thought, that's such a Victorian attitude, isn't it? Mm. You know, and I thought that they already have an idea of what their place is in society. I think they were talking about, it's not our place to... Um, to go and um, interfere with somebody if they're not feeling very happy or something like that, unless they, um, unless they want us to. I think that's what she, yes, what she was saying. Right, but yeah. but it, but it's it struck me as it's not our place. Was, was just like a line out of Dickens, wasn't it? You know, mm. it, it, we we shouldn't we 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 all know our place. And I thought, goodness gracious. And then when you went on to the Industrial Revolution, that came back to haunt me. And I, and I, it just you know it, it's was so revealing. The whole idea of how um, we haven't moved, we, you know, it's it's true in so many respects, isn't it? We haven't moved in classroom design. You you go into a, a primary classroom nowadays, you go into a secondary classroom nowadays, it could be a classroom from 50 years ago, 40 years ago anyway. Um, it hasn't changed. Very little has changed um, in, in the majority of classrooms. We, get, we have a curriculum which hasn't changed exactly as you're saying. You know, it's, it's an, and, and we have a, in a lot of places still an arbitrary system of, in this country, um, children changing school at 11. Well, it's totally arbitrary. It's not, there's no reason why they should change schools at 11. There's, there's no um, educational reasons for that. You know, so 
we, we are very slow moving in education in a lot of ways. We're very quick to respond in a lot of other ways, but it would be good from, from my perspective, it would be good if there was the opportunity for people to think about these things, to talk about these things exactly as you and I are doing now and explore the possibilities. You know, there are possibilities. And when people have time to think about them, then things do move forward and you get exciting people who are able to um, push these things forward and push the ideas forward. Uh, if we give them the chance, I think you're right, and I think I think time was one of the things that came came through for me from this season is the fact that <coughs> there 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 isn't any time, <laughs> there isn't time for the children to reflect. Every minute of every day is kind of just timetable to the hilt, um, and actually you need that time and especially in the holidays you know it's that kind of you know you have time for everything to seep in and reflect and for you to grow and recuperate um and and i think you know as as we start to talk more about sort of well-being and and children's general health and that sort of thing i think that would be a really important important thing to do and and also the other thing that struck me is that um the things that children do in school and their perspective, their, their sort of ideas of, of what that is. You know, I like doing this particular club, but it's before school or after school, you know, um, whether it's a dancing thing or a football thing. It, it, ma- it makes quite a big difference that um, is so that your perspective is, is that actually I'm learning all the time and it's part of the, f- the, f- the fabric of, of my learning. Um, and, and that comes down really to the, to the, to the whole feeling of things as well. Um, the schools have just gone back now and Katie's got a World War Two um, topic this term. Um, and so you have to sort the outfit out and they're going all dressed up and all that sort of thing. But the thing that I was slightly concerned about was the fact that she was concerned she might get into trouble because maybe not everything she was wearing was authentic <laughs> and um Which and she I, wouldn't do <laughs> no no absolutely and and but it's it's just that you know where does that feeling coming from why do you yeah. think that you would get into trouble for something like that that must come from somewhere you're not thinking i'm as free as a bird and i'm just here expressing myself and you know every child will come in whatever version of an outfit they can to hopefully enjoy the immersion which is what this sort of next few days is all about and i just wonder where that comes from you know where that you know why children feel that they might get into trouble or something you know, i can understand it you know if i know that i'm going to go and actually punch someone in the classroom then i'm going to expect to get into trouble you know because that's not a good thing to do but just expressing yourself or or or, or just being part of something new why you think you would get into trouble for that 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 just slightly concerns me in terms of of what they believe you know, school is like, and 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 the 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 right where that sort of line of right and wrong is, and therefore yeah. being in trouble. And you you will know because you know because of talking to her and talking to um, her siblings and talking to the school and visiting the school that, that there isn't an issue there that she wouldn't have got into trouble for. Absolutely. It. And and it, it is even talked about, you know, the, about the values guarantee that the school's values are talked about in assemblies and so on. The children know what, you know, all those things. It is odd how those perceptions grow. However, the, the, the things I would say, I do hope that you supported Katie by giving her all your Second World War music that you actually collected when you early in your career. Because, you know, I seem to recall you did a Second World War musical we absolutely did yeah yeah we yeah. did a did a whole a whole production of that sort of thing yes. and that's that's one of the things um i will i'll i'll be speaking to them about and uh, 
<laughs> Although they've not, they've not, they've not been particularly interested in in my musical expertise, sadly. But so this might be an, another step too far of sticking my nose in, which would be sad. But I do have do an entire project. Yes. <laughs> The the I've got a play they can have. <laughs> um, the the, the I, I thought the good things that came out of that were how perceptive the children were, how much they understood what was going on actually, despite these little things like you just described, where they have this misplaced idea of where authority lies and that sort of thing perhaps. But I thought they were so perceptive, they were compliant to the extreme it seemed to me in all cases they they were, they were quite happy to go along with what they were being told to do yeah. and you know in school to see that's a good thing <laughs> that makes life a lot easier <laughs> and 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 to have those perceptive children so the, so the potential there is phenomenal that's what i saw in your children that you interviewed was so much potential for so many great things to happen and they just hope that some of those things creep out of them and I and I th- and I think they will, and and I, and I think the 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 biggest takeaway of all those things is, like we said, it's about time and it's about environment, and also the dialogue, and and as you said about you know making them understand that how all of these things fit together and the reality of how they fit into what they've learnt, as opposed to what they might just then regurgitate, and that kind of end of the school day is a classic example, isn't it? You know, yeah. I, I've done nothing, and we all know that's not the case, and you know, I'm going to get into trouble. That's not the case, you know. So it's how we frame it, it's how we put it together and how we how we make it part of how we want to explain our day or our year or our life at school and I think that's probably the skills that as teachers we can really if we're mindful about those things we don't need and this is the exciting thing I like about the podcast is that we don't necessarily need to have a completely new curriculum which we might think would enhance what we're doing and the children are so perceptive about what's going on just the way we talk to them just the way that we can understand where they're coming from and hopefully what we will have learned over these few episodes will just give us a bit of an insight into that and I think big changes can happen just by those small things and also taking a little bit of comfort in the fact that actually it's very easy to always be on the case of we'd like it to be different but actually there's a lot of great stuff going on and more than that the children are are in a good place and, and they are learning both at school and at home and finding their way in the world and I think we can really support them to to thrive as we are yeah and i think if the, the one word if people can take out of this whole season the one word which they could take out is for children to be happy yes that is so important and and if and if we can achieve that if people can achieve that in school in primary schools particularly i think that they will have achieved great things I think that's right, and I think that's the that's the perfect place to leave it because that's uh, that is the key to everything, and everything can stem from there. So, um, Peter, thanks so much for your time again and your great great insights as always. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting to you again in season four when we can really get stuck into the arts and um, and music and and all those great things which I know you uh, you really pushed in your school. So, um, and we can chat about that a bit further. Lovely, thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.